everybody welcome to the 165th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling here recovering from an epic rainbow six siege session last night but i'm out here i'm i'm ready i'm ready to to talk my shit i mean you're so. recovering from an all-night video game binge i'm recovering from a deep clean of the bathrooms while we had barry manilow spinning on the records shout out to mom's that is her guy. That's why I play Manilo. But low key, he's got some heater. So so don't sleep on on Barry. Uh, you, you're using that. You're using that record player like a real Portland hipster now, my guy. I mean, I fuck with it. It it, it ranges. Like I, I got. I listened to Run the Jewels too um, yesterday after work. I I've listened to that Eric B and Rakim paid in full. At least I've given at least 15 spins since you gave it to me for Christmas. I mean, that's definitely a go-to. And what I love about that record is it came out in 86, and obviously I was one. And I, you know, growing up, wasn't able to really go back and and listen to some of the stuff that was beyond my time. And so it was really cool to hear you bring it into, you know, my spectrum and what made it so special is my one of my favorite top three favorite movies of all time is The Wood with, with Tay Diggs and and Omar Omar Epps and they sample paid in full so much throughout that movie that's why when I hear certain things I'm like I remember that from The Wood so it's really cool when you're able to put two things together like that something from your past and now something from your present but yeah I love spinning spinning the records like anything from like Sam Cooke to david bowie and old school new school hip-hop rock i'm like whatever so you're definitely getting a, a lot of usage out of that it's nice opening up the windows i mean it's beautiful weather out right now and you know we're ready to, to talk trailblazers i mean it, one, one, one thing yeah about yeah, music. yeah so i uh i found probably five years of my old radio playlist and i'm like holy shit let's see how good these are and i've been listening to my old like not 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 the radio version, but like just the playlist, and I'm like, damn, I was wilding at age twenty. Damn, I was wilding at age twenty two. Fuck, I was upset at the radio station at age twenty four. Like it was nothing. Like it was nothing but like angry, angry shit that was just edited poorly. And it's just like, man, this is when they tried to fuck me over. I could tell. <laughs> it's like sports. Music and I think movies have a way to reminisce and there's a nostalgic factor that, you know, the summer of 2005 was was big for me and I made like, you know, playlists and had, you know, it's back when you burnt them onto CD. So every time I hear a song that was on that CD, it takes me right back into that moment. And one of the, I had a couple of songs from a friend of the show, Stupendous. Uh, one of my favorite songs actually ever is Don't Rush. It's Stupendous featuring Dante Thomas. If it's not on the web, hit him up for the MP3 version. That is a certified banger. Uh, Stu, if you're listening to this, uh, still gets rotation in, in the, the iPhone uh, regularly. So thank you for producing that, Jim. So, Doug, like, I, I had a Skype interview yesterday, and I guess I just placed my phone on the keyboard, like where it says play, and like just all of a sudden I heard, yo, 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 this is Diamond D. And I'm like, this isn't Diamond D, and I got flustered during the radio uh, during the interview. I was like, "Diamond D is not here. What the fuck?" And I, so I just like stopped, and I was like, "Okay, did you guys hear Diamond D talking shit?" <laughs> man, seven minutes of music talk before we even start. Man, now we're totally Portlanders. I think we we've been there. <laughs> I mean, this is this is one six five. We, we've been. We're both, I mean, we're certified vets in in the game, and it, it's really fun. Like, we had, for those who listened to the podcast uh, last week, when we um, kind of talked about free agency for the Trailblazers and recapping the season, and just really talking through 
how the finals were going. We actually had like a, an additional 30-minute conversation afterwards. I was just kind of off the cusp, and I really want to get to just recording a few of those episodes throughout the year where it's just me and you, you know, talking shop. And I think we're in a sweet spot now. The draft is, is five days away. Free agency is 15 days away. Summer League is probably about three weeks away. So we have some milestones to touch on as we lead up to these events that will keep our thirst quenched for Blazer basketball. Like my mom called me the, uh, yesterday and she's just like, I'm so glad the Raptors won, but now I have withdrawals from basketball. Like it was bad enough when the Blazers lost and they were over, but at least I had the finals to keep me, you know, at bay. And now I'm just like, I, I, I want more. And WNBA homie. That's right. Or Dustin's mom, not homie. <laughs> hey man, it's all good. It's three. It's three p.m. This is way earlier than we normally record, so we're out here. So I don't know if you know this, but a lot of East Asian people were. And Asian people were very hyped for Jeremy Lin winning the championship. I mean, do you? I mean, that's that's all I have to say is if it makes you happy, it makes you happy. But what did you think uh, about the the finals? Obviously, it's the first in history for Toronto. The move paid off in full for the Raptors and, and Masai Ujiri getting Kawhi Leonard and Marc Gasol. But there's always... Fair or not, this is going to be the finals that people are going to talk about. Kevin Durant coming back, whether he was pressured or not, and rupturing his Achilles. He's going to be out for the entire season, going into a free agent contract year. And then the following game, Clay Thompson actually tearing his ACL, which I think will likely keep him out the next season as as well. And this has a lot of ramifications for a Golden State Warrior team that has made the finals for five consecutive years that is leaving Oracle arena and more importantly, Oakland, California after 47 seasons, they're moving 11 miles across the Bay to the chase center on the waterfront in, in San Francisco. And, you know, I've been reading a lot of pieces from the Oaklanders point of view. And I, I think it has, there, there's more to it. I mean, if you think about it, they were the San Francisco Warriors. And when they moved to Oakland, they didn't call them the Oakland Warriors because Oakland was a black town and there was negative connotations in the 60s, um, unfortunately. And so they called them the Golden State Warriors. So I don't think some Oaklanders really ever got over that. Like this was their team. Oakland is a blue collar town. And with the Raiders moving to Vegas and now the Warriors moving out of Oakland, like a, a big piece of their, their culture and history is mm-hmm. being ripped from them. And if you were watching the news, the on J- June 12th, the city of Portland celebrated the Portland Trailblazers, called it, you know, Portland Trailblazers Day, and, you know, really disgusted about keeping this team in Portland forever. I mean, the, the Trailblazers and the city are, are rooted as one, and each provides value to one another. It's a very reciprocal relationship. And when you see a team move from a city, even even though it's just going across the bay, San Francisco and Oakland couldn't be more different. And I, I felt bad for the true Oaklanders because they have had a just genuine fan base. Uh, the We Believe Warriors were, that was one of the loudest arenas I have ever heard. And that they were an eighth seed. I mean, they, they showed up when they had Chris Gatling and Eric Dampier and those whack-ass uh, warrior uniforms back in the early 2000s. Chris Mills, you know, Nick Van Exel, Dale Davis. I mean, they just had, they were just a mediocre team. And then they obviously hit this media, me, meteoric rise and they priced a lot of their diehard fans out. And a lot of people really knocked that arena and that fan base over the course of the playoff run for being very silent. I noticed in the Western Conference Finals, it felt almost like a, a regular season game on a Tuesday. They amped it up for the final two games, but I think that was more out of respect for Oracle and knowing these were the last two games in that building. But now they're moving to, to San Francisco. Tickets are going to be even more expensive. And this is the last thing they wanted to do was open up a new gym with a team that some are saying might not even make the playoffs. They are older. 
their uh, depth is depleted. They have a lot of free agents coming up, and they will definitely be without Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant for the entire season. I think this is going to be the year for the Western Conference that eight teams could come out of the West. And it's also going to be a big year for Stephen Curry's legacy because he did not give his best when his best was needed of him. I believe he was like one of six in the fourth quarter. He missed the the game-winning shot, which was a really good look for him. And it's so funny for me to hear people talk about how, oh, Steph's now getting double and triple teamed past the three-point line. Have you not been watching Damian Lillard? Because that is exactly the type of defensive coverage and looks that he has seen since LaMarcus Aldridge left. And so if Steph is unable to deliver and not make him to the play, take them to the playoffs, that is a huge knock on his legacy. He's never won a finals MVP. He's frankly never played super great in the finals. Remember in 2015, without Irving and Love, it was Iguodala that that won the finals MVP. And it still took them six games. Obviously, they blew the 73-win season, 3-1. That's on him. KD gave him the finals MVP uh, the previous two years, and then they couldn't beat the Raptors. Yes, I know Clay missed game three in portions of game six. But if Iguodala doesn't make that three in game two, it's a sweep. It's a wrap. Mm. Steph Curry, outside of that game three performance, just has not been a very good player in the finals. For whatever reason, he loves playing against the Blazers. And I think a lot of that has to do with some of the coverages that we threw at him. But this season is going to be so damn intriguing because it's the most wide open I can remember. I mean, it's with, with that clay injury that cemented it as the most, maybe since 99 coming off of that lockout shortened year, Jordan retired. Uh, yeah. the, the Lakers were still in disarray. They, did, they didn't have Phil Jackson quite yet. And we just didn't know. And I think that's the beauty of the upcoming season. And it's going to be interesting to see if Steph can, can take them to the finals or the, even the playoffs, because Dame took a team that was projected to win 26 games they had lost six of their top seven rotation players in 2015. He got them boys to the final or the playoffs. Won a series too. So this is why to me it's so hard to compare players because not everyone has dealt the same hand. It is not apples to apples. You know, the it's it's shitty to think about this when Clay and uh KD went down, but it was just like as AD just got a whole lot more valuable when those two went down because I think KD was the crown jewel of the free agency class. Now, if you're trying to make the jump in a wide open Western conference, the one person that will take you over the edge is now Anthony Davis. So when, when I saw those two injuries, it made the whole trading process for the, the crown jewel a lot more beneficial for the Pelicans. And now it's, it makes sense for a team to take that swing at, Anthony Davis because there is no Golden State super team there it's just wide open like you said so it it's going to be a very interesting uh draft and there's going to be a lot of rumors flying and uh right now it's kind of a quiet period which makes me think people are actually discussing this Anthony Davis trade uh pretty pretty seriously now because you know when rumors come out it's like Ain't shit is happening, and they want to just like stir up controversy. Now it's like, I wonder what Portland's asking. I wonder what uh, Boston's asking. I wonder what Los Angeles is asking for Anthony Davis. So that I think that's going to be a humongous talking piece. And it's kind of, I, I would prefer the the AD trade to be done sooner rather than later, because I want Zion Williamson when he gets picked first. It's all about him, not this dark cloud over the pelicans organization saying well we still haven't traded anthony yet and we got zion i want zion to have his day that's a very valid point and from everything i've heard um from from twitter from Woj, espn griffin wants to get something done before the draft and i don't blame him you want to make that pick for yourself like you said you want the franchise to be in zion's hands that day june 20th should be a new page in Pelicans franchise history. It needs to start a new chapter and there needs to be nothing but positivity surrounding that. It's exactly what the Blazers did in 2006 when they picked Roy, Rodriguez, Freeland, and Aldridge. 
that was a defining day in that franchise. And we all knew as a, as a collective fan base, this was the start of something special. This was the start of, of a, you know, a brand new chapter. We were starting over. And I think that's exactly what the Pelicans have to do. One thing I would say is looking at the success of Kawhi Leonard in, in Toronto, teams going after Anthony Davis need to realize he is not Kawhi Leonard. Mm. He Kawhi Leonard is that alpha. You mentioned yesterday or last podcast that AD is a perfect beta. And I would caution teams to not unload the bank. Obviously you want them to as a Pelicans fan, but if I'm a GM looking for Anthony, I'm not necessarily sure I'm going to offer what, what Griff is looking for. The all-star caliber, young all-star caliber, multiple picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the pot of the gold at the end of the rainbow, but you also have to utilize historical data and what other superstars netted in return. We look at the Indiana Pacers. They were able to get DeMontis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo. Oladipo at the time was really looked upon as a bust, and Sabonis was a one-year player who didn't look great in Oklahoma City. Obviously, it panned out for them, and I think it panned out well for OKC. I think that's one of those win-win trades. You then look at Toronto, where they only had to give up a late first, Jakob Pertl, who I think is... Questionable. Questionable. And DeMar DeRozan, who um, you knew what he was. Yes, he was the heart of the team in the sense of he's a great locker room guy, but you knew what his production was on on the court. And you make that deal 30 times out of 30. You look at Jimmy Butler, what he received, you know, Sarich and Covington. I think that's a light package looking back at it. But again, Butler really removed a lot of the leverage from the Timberwolves with his antics. Boogie Cousins, um, at the time, it was like, oh, we got Buddy Heald in the first round pick. Are you kidding me? You know, what what are you doing, Sacramento? Now that's looking like a great deal for the Kings. Mm. So it's really hard to see what Anthony is truly going to net. Because I don't like the Lakers package, even if it is everything in the kitchen sink plus the four pick. We we discussed it last episode. The four pick, to me, is very minuscule value in terms of traditional four pick overall i i don't like lonzo because of his father, his father. um not. i think he's just a bad fit for zion you need a shooter out the out of that ball handler spot i think the the i actually think lonzo has potential to be an all-star um he is a very good defender he may be good for zion and hear me out he is a pass first point guard When you have a big, bigs are reliant on getting the ball down low. So I actually think he could make it work. He can run and gun, get up the floor, but you're always going to have his father in the background if something goes wrong. He already is talking about how he hates cold winters and New New Orleans has cold winters and shit. Until Lonzo publicly comes out and says, my dad is not going to be an issue. Essentially, I'm cutting him off for my basketball-related activities. That'd be tough, though. If, if the kid wants to have a career in the NBA because he has talent, but his value is so low, he needs to start directing, taking control of his own narrative, of his own story. Because, yes, I know he's his father, but his father is hurting so much more than he is helping. Um, then you look at Brandon Ingram, who is having shoulder surgery, and there were reports when it happened that he might not be able to play at that same level again. And even if he didn't have that surgery... Who is he? Is he, he? He's Rudy Gay tops to me. I mean, this is going to be his fourth year, and he's a guy that's always going to be, oh, he was the number two pick. He's got so much untapped potential. Man, I heard that story, that same swan song. For Batum. For Batum, for Darius Miles, for you know all those lanky small forwards. Like, Man, no. just think about this. Four years in the NBA. Next year, we have to pay him. And you don't want to do that because he may have a great contract year like Darius Miles did. And that's the thing with uh, the Celtics guy, too, uh, Jalen. We're going to have to – whoever has Jalen Brown next year is going to have to pay him in the following year because he's a a 6'8 guy that can defend. And as you've seen with Alan Crabb, those people get paid out the ass for that potential and that height. You know, and then you've got Kyle Kuzma, who I actually really do like, but I would never classify him as a crown jewel asset of 
of an Anthony Davis trade. And then if you're you're Portland, to me, I, I still think CJ Zach 25, and if you can get 12 from you know Charlotte taking on Batum, that's to me too much. And that's where I'm like 50-50 if it happens, if it doesn't, because whatever team gets Anthony, you want to have enough talent around him to one, compete for a championship, but two, show him that he yeah, show him that you've got enough support for him to stay. So you can't just gut your whole entire team, unless you're the Lakers, and expect him to stay or expect it to work. And then, you know, the Knicks, their whole plan was was Kevin Durant and trading for Anthony Davis. With KD going down, who really knows? The Celtics are now affected by it because Rich Paul has came out publicly in Sports Illustrated and said, we'll go to Boston. We'll uphold the end of our contractual duties, but we're hitting free agency. Like we do not, we do not yeah. want Boston. And so that hurts New Orleans' trade leverage with, with the Celtics. And Kyrie Irving is also probably going to leave. Do you think he's going to Brooklyn? That's where all signs are pointing to. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up with the Knicks, um, ends up with the Lakers. I really don't know with with Kyrie I, at this point. I I would not touch Kyrie with a ten foot pole if I'm being brutally honest. And what if you're the Brooklyn Nets? What do you do with D'Angelo? You you have to let him go. There's no way that backcourt works. That backcourt does not work. Yeah, and all if all if you've got like a hint hint we're gonna go with you i get it you go with Kyrie, but like that puts d'lo in a pretty shitty situation and real talk if i could choose between russell and irving for next year i'm taking russell he was an all-star last year he Mm -hmm. he showed the number two potential when he was picked second overall in 2015 he looked like a legit star in the making and his heart's in it Irving, you don't know what you're going to get. What do you think about all of the off the court things with Russell? I think like well, what, I, I can't. What, what has happened since Nick Young? I mean, just re- the Arizona can uh, filled with pot. That Mer- I mean, to be brutally honest, I don't smoke weed, but it's legal in multiple states, and I think it's bullshit that people are profiting off of it, and we're still sending people to prison for it. Those crimes, they need to get, you know, exonerate. I mean, it just needs to be um, expunged. And who cares if he had pot? Like, to, to be... To he's be, a 20-year-old man. It doesn't matter if you he's... Tw- do, it, it doesn't matter if he's 20, 25. Like, that... With what all is going on in this world, that should not... We, we should not be con- concerned with that. So, no, I'm not worried about it if I'm... Sorry, I went off on a tangent. It's just a little... Uh, it's a topic that really gets me going. I mean, we, we've all done dumb shit as a kid. If that's like the one bad thing he's done, it's like, that's fine. And on the court, you see him be supportive of his teammates and do really well. Like, I'm I'm rooting for him, man. Like, all the, the bad things he's done is expose a cheater and then like, a little pot. It, it, it's not like that big of a deal in the grand scope of things. What really kind of irks me is... The double standard between beer and marijuana. And the example I'm going to present is the Milwaukee Bucks were hosting the Toronto Raptors. I think it was game five. And you have this big offensive lineman from the Packers beer chugging, beer chugging contest with Aaron Rodgers and the Brewers MVP. I mean, just slamming them back and everyone is cheering, going wild. Like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, it's fun content, but that's, arguably worse to me than than getting caught with with, with marijuana so I, I think there there needs to be a level playing field if you're gonna say one's okay the other has to be okay too and so that's kind of my two cents on that if i if i'm brooklyn i'm i'm building young i'm i'm looking to add younger pieces i'm not yeah i mean they made the playoffs they finally have their picks just because you have cap space now doesn't mean you need to to use it um they have something special that they're building and especially if Kai or Kawhi goes west the Celtics look like they're in disarray who knows what the Sixers are going to do 
it could be you and the Bucks for for quite some time, and you know, really build around D'Angelo and, and make some smart free agent signings. Like Kyrie, to me, is damaged goods. I think he is reputation built, but he doesn't pr- provide the results on the court that warrant the type of contract yeah. that he's going to get. Do you think Brooklyn is skipping a few steps if they Abs- sign? Yes, Kyrie? yes, that that exactly what they're doing. They're doing what the Phoenix Suns did in the 2014 when, you know, they were trying to rebuild and they ended up making the playoffs and they went out and signed Gordon or they had Dragic and Bledsoe. They went out and signed Isaiah Thomas and they had the Morris twins and they just tried to zoom through the rebuild. Take your time, Brooklyn. Like you're going to be a great team. And the culture and like, yo, they, I kind I got, I like the, the three headed monster in the guard position with D'Lo, uh, Karis Levert and Dinwiddie. Also Joe Harris. Joe Harris. I mean, they have players. I mean, they built a culture that people wanted to steal from. I mean, the Pelicans signed their associate GM to be their associate GM. Like, they have a good thing going. And I think if they sign Irving, it might put a damper on the the good thing that they're going. They got vets to build. They've got people buying into the culture of the team that they wanted. And if if they sign Irving, he isn't gonna fuck with the, you know, sacrifice yourself for others mentality that Brooklyn has has kind of built in the last few years. To me, if Brooklyn signs Kyrie Irving, they're headed down the same path they did when they traded all those assets for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. At least Irving isn't like a old 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 ass player though. But yeah, I get it. Do you think Kawhi stays? So that's the million dollar question. Uh, around the league right now and looking not looking listening to his post finals interviews he said they instead of we a lot he is also just an awkward dude I mean that that could just be it he could be socially awkward and there's nothing wrong with that and he probably knows everyone is hanging on his every word he could just want to go out west I think he would be foolish to leave Toronto has from all accounts catered to his needs. They won a fucking championship with him. If they run it back, especially given what the warriors just went through they're there to me, the odds on favorites to, to repeat. I, I end of the day, I think Toronto is going to, to make that connection with, with his uncle, with Kawhi. I think he flirts with the Clippers a bit, but they got it done. He's going to want to run it back. Uh, I'm about, I'd say 55-45 in favor of the Raptors. Do you think Kyle Lowry can play at this level for a few more years? Because he's he's getting to 30, and he's a small point guard. I think Those he's way older left. than 30. I also think he's older than 30, but I didn't know how old he was. So, like, that type of point guard isn't going to stay at a high level forever. Dude, Kyle Lowry's 33. Goddamn. But... They have Fred Van Vliet. So it's not like there's just this huge drop-off. And this is why I really like how this Raptors team is constructed. You know, OG didn't even play. Yep. And so they, they have him at the wing. They've got Norman Powell. Um, you know, obviously Marcus Ole's got, got the player option. But, you know, they've got Abaka. They've got Siakam. Um, they just have people for days. And the beautiful thing about the Raptors is they didn't rely heavily on Kyle Lowry. I mean, he had a, the, the, he had a couple of big spurts, but it was a team effort. I mean, you had Siakam in game one, Gasol played really well in game two. Um, I think Danny Green had the big game three and it just, there was a different character every single game. And Kawhi just brings a, a calmness around him for obvious reasons, because he's hands down the best player in basketball right now. And they play a fantastic defensive scheme. They've got length. They've got athleticism. They've got IQ. And they share the basketball. Somebody brought it up. It might have been one of the announcers. But I have never seen a player like Kawhi Leonard hold back and have the... He's like a a marathon runner. When he goes into his kick and paces himself, that Game 5 flurry was... The closest thing I've seen to Jordan since Jordan. I mean, it was ludicrous how he was just taking over. And he picks and chooses 
when he wants to operate. Uh, just a fantastic player. Personally, I hope he stays out East. For him, I still think that's the best fit. Uh, I, I don't know why you would and want... As long as they keep Spicy P. Like, he... Pascal's, like, a really perfect complimentary piece to uh, Kawhi's brilliance. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to be in your third team in three years. That seems like an, an awful lot. And, you know, really, quote-unquote, being out West, he's got five to seven years left of of this type of basketball. You can retire when you're 35, dude. I mean, you have a long lifespan ahead of you. Play, play for the best situation. In, in reality, you're, you're only home 41 games of the year. Sometimes you take a lot of road trips. Go to LA in the off season. If you want to stay there, like I, I don't, it's not my decision and I can't tell Kawhi what to do or how to feel. But if it was me, um, location wouldn't be up on my priority list because the season is the season and you're rarely able to enjoy where you're at because you're always practice home game, road trip, all-star break, you know, play, I mean, playoffs, it's, it's a nine month marathon. And then the off seasons when you can really cool, cool down and, you know, chill. And Toronto's a lovely city. So it's not like you're going, to a, it's not like you're going to a, a non metropolitan area. Toronto's dope. Um, is there, Hmm. Do you think KD stays and takes that uh, player option? Because it's 30. Oh, you think he goes to like New York for max? I think he's getting the max regardless. Regardless. Yeah. And I think Woj tweeted out that the opting in is, is the last resort. I think Kevin Durant would be smart to opt out because right now everyone's sentiment is, oh, he, he's still going to be fine. He's going to be okay. But what if a year from now, people start to change their tunes? Like, actually, I don't know. Like, he's he's 32. Seems like a lot. I'm having to give him, you know, max, max money. So at least, it, it's strange to think of it like this. But if you pay him four years now, yes, you're essentially wasting a year of 30 plus million dollars. But... You don't ha- you you don't have that contract on your books for as long as you would if you had to wait an extra season. So it's it's a little weird to think about, but it might be beneficial to actually sign him now and, and only have him have him on the books. I it mean, suck this year. yeah, and who who knows how he feels about the Warriors? Mm. I s- if he has if he takes a step back one step back athletically, he's still pretty fantastic. It's just that Achilles is tough, though. It, for it whatever reason, it just it sucks the life out of an athlete. He'll still be very you, good, but he 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 won't yeah. be elite. Boogie leaves, right? Ah, uh, yeah, but I don't. Nobody's given Boogie more than the mid level. I bet there's some team that's gonna. He looks slow athletically and mentally, though. He looks he looked awful. I mean, yeah. let's let's be he looked awful. Mentally was a very astute observation, especially in game five. You know, the the goaltending, the offensive foul. I mean, just the only time he scored was when he was on a smaller defender and just bullied his way. Like his post moves are gone. He does. He looks extremely slow. Uh, That's the thing is like Boogie didn't rely on athleticism, but he was nimble and quick. And when you have those injuries, it just takes the juice out of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Boogie Boogie's gone. Um, I've heard Sean Livingston may retire. Who knows what Iguodala has in the tank. So it's definitely going to be wide open in the Western Conference. And it always makes me chuckle when I see like new Vegas odds for you know championship. And I see like Dallas ahead of Portland. I'm like, you know, keep keep projecting Portland to, to finish low because we always surprise. We always overachieve. You know, we have the continuity. We have the culture. And, and frankly, I'm starting to think we're going to get Nurk back a little bit sooner than anyone anticipates. If you don't follow Ben Kenyon on IG, I believe he is um, a trainer for, for the team, but he was working out with Dame, Tim Frazier, uh, and Nurk, and, and Nurk was going at it. Um, he's definitely going full on in, the, in this rehab, and yes, it's going to take time for him to get back to his peak, but I still think we'll see him back on the floor. Um, he just seems like a determined beast, um, mm-hmm. and anytime you have Damon CJ, I, I feel pretty good. 
about where we are, about where we're at. And I do think Neil is going to make make a move. I think the roster is going to get upgraded one way or or another. And I still don't think Nurk is going. I I I, I expect him to play that next year, but I don't expect him to be consistently good. I think that will happen in two years, just because we've seen it with with players. They don't trust themselves yet. It takes a while for them to trust themselves, their bodies to to trust their bodies. Like you saw Paul George play the year after his compound fracture, but it wasn't Paul George. It was a knockoff version of Paul George. Then the year after he looked great. It just is going to take a while for him, for Nurk to trust his body. Like, is this move going to fuck me up? It takes a lot of trust. So while I agree that we'll probably see Nurkic, I don't think we'll see him at the all-star top five big level until a year after it. Yeah, and it all really depends on Nurk. If he's able to trust it, it could come back sooner than we thought. If if he's not able to, we may have to wait until the fall of 2020. Yeah. I mean, I, I do not blame... Like, if he if he if he's high variance in the next year i don't blame him at all that it 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 takes a lot for you to get all of the the trust in your body back um is there any other big jimmy butler do you think he stays i think philly brings back butler and tobias i think they gave up too much to not go all in and especially again Philly is another team that said, hey, we took the champs to seven, lost on a ridiculous bounce. Let's run that shit back. I mean, we gave up a haul for Tobias Harris. And that team, that team really did that team really didn't get a whole lot of floor time together, especially with Embiid getting hurt. And that's another factor. You don't know how long you're gonna have Embiid for. He's a player who may have like just two years left in the tank before his body gives out on him. Or you don't know how frequent he's going to be able to play. Fuck me. What? I just got a notification. What? I think I think Anthony's gone. That was a weird sound you just made, my friend. I sorry. Okay, according to Wojnarowski, Pelicans have agreed to deal Anthony Davis to the Lakers. For Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, three first-round picks, including the fourth overall. I'm sorry, bud. That's a shitty haul. Uh, please do not be real. No, it's real. real. Uh, fuck. All right. That's, that's at, at least the trade is done. I can't believe uh, you guys didn't get Kuzma. Yeah. That sucks. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about the draft? <laughs> no, let's go into the straight. I mean, this, it, it right. literally just happened nine minutes ago. So let's take a look at it from the Los Angeles point of view. They now have Anthony Davis and LeBron James to go along with, with, with Kyle Kuzma, but they are point guardless. They're shooting guardless. It's... Do they have cap space for another Max guy? If they trade, if Solo's involved, yes. So I mean, the Lakers all of a sudden could could now be that. But let, let's let's not get too overwhelmed. If you're if you're a Laker fan or if you're a Blazer fan, you're like, "Fuck, here we go again." LeBron James, he is going to be 35 years old. This will now be his 16th, 17th season. He showed signs of wear and tear this year. Anthony Davis has never been able to stay healthy. Never. They still do not have shooting on that roster outside of Kyle Kuzma. This is a major win now move for the the LA Lakers. I think this is the year. If they don't get it this year, it sure as hell ain't happening next year. So on one hand, I, you know, as much as it makes me want to throw up in my mouth, I, you know, commend the Lakers for going all in. They saw the obvious gap with the Warriors and they knew they signed LeBron James for this reason. On the other hand, if you're looking at the the New Orleans Pelicans, they now are in full rebuild mode. I don't know what this means for Drew Holiday, because I do not think Lonzo and Drew is a suitable backcourt. Would you agree or disagree with that? 
I think it might work, but I think the chances they, uh, Drew gets traded is a little higher. I, I do think Lonzo's going to look good in a gentry system. I do think he'll ha- it'll be that like all-star point guard level just because of the system. I mean, the system made Alfred Payton look great. It made Rajon Rondo look good. Like it definitely, the system's definitely going to help him. I don't know about Brandon Ingram. Josh Hart's helping because he can shoot threes. The first first round picks, I'll take it. I just wish we had. I don't like. I, I all of those guys have flaws, but this nightmare of a season's over. The nightmare of an off season's over. Um, now I'm just excited about Zion. So now you're the Pelicans. You're probably rolling out uh, a starting five of Drew, Lonzo, what? Ingram. Ingram, Zion, and you probably need to find a, a center. Who do you like at number four? I mean, now this gives... I think Culver. Is that who you want? I think so. Here's the thing about New Orleans now. I really trust the people making the decisions in terms of drafting. They find gems. So give them three extra first round picks, and I feel good that they're gonna find two usable players in those in, in each draft. So, huh? I wish you went to the Blazers. You know what? I'm actually okay because the more I th- so as we recorded last episode, I was firmly on the fence about that that package that Portland could offer. The more I thought about it, the more I it, I just I didn't like it because if Anthony leaves, that means we well CJ's gone. That means we may have to move on from Dame, and I want Dame to be a Blazer forever. I still feel like the culture and continuity of Dame and CJ. There's just something special there, and I, I wanted to see it, it come through, and I wanted to see us win with it. If it was for Kawhi Leonard, uh, I think you make that trade. I don't think you do it. Oh, yeah. I don't think you do it for Paul George. But as I watched those finals, I was like, Anthony is not Kawhi. And yes, Dame and Anthony would have been a very fun duo to watch. But CJ is a Blazer legend after that Game Seven performance, and he took his game to another level. And I think the thing, if you're a Blazer fan. Dame and CJ are just entering their prime. They're only going to get better. And it's obviously a relationship that works. I think if I'm Neil Olshay, I, I go after LaMarcus Aldridge with every fiber of my being. Because the West, probably from a Vegas standpoint, is going to go through Denver or Los Angeles on paper. Mm. Who does Denver have that gave us fits? They had Jokic and they had Paul Millsap. Who do the Lakers have now? They now have uh, JaVale McGee and Anthony Davis. Portland needs a big power forward to defend those guys. Alfred Camino will no longer get it done if you want to make it to the NBA Finals. The Blazers will obviously now go out and get that that big four. Um, Zach Collins could play five could play the four, whatever you want to do, especially with Nurk being out for the majority of the season and you're unsure about Ennis Cantor, you know, the Blazers need to, to stack up on, on big bodies, but um, it's definitely, it's definitely a big announcement. I'm, I'm really glad it actually happened, it while, happened during this. while we were yeah. recording. So you're saying Culver is the guy you want at number four. I, yes. I got to look, I got to look at every single prospect again. Because now it's a reality, not a, uh, a a a fantasy. Here's 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 the question: What do you rate the AD trade? I really want to know what the protections are on the picks. Absolutely, and I want to know if we give away Solomon Hill. Yeah, it's tough. I think if Solomon's gone with it, I give it an A minus. If it's not, I give it a B. <sighs> And that sucks giving a grade of B for trading away Anthony Davis. Uh, I, I honestly, I give the Lakers a B plus. I mean, they had to do it, but it also, it guts them. But they still, they're going to get players wanting to come 
play in in, in that system. Yeah. Um, the Pelicans. Who knew what the offers really were? Like I said, I think that you know, we don't know. But I do know what the initial trade offer was, and it was laughably embarrassing. It was like Josh Hart and like Ibonga for Anthony Davis that first time. So that's why they were so petty the rest of the year. This trade is actually respectable. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the crown jewel, but I think Lonzo is going to do well. I don't know about Brandon Ingram. Josh Hart definitely has a role in New Orleans. I give it a, a, a C plus for for the Pels. I mean, it's 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 one of those trades that we don't know all the details. If they start to become unprotected picks, I think that moves the the needle up significantly. If I'm New Orleans, but like you mentioned, if Brandon Ingram balls out, you're gonna have to pay him. How is Lonzo going to react with to New Orleans? To New Orleans, how is Lavar gonna react? I actually really do like Josh Hart. Um, I do. T- I think that role in New Orleans, like, come on, dog. Etwan Moore was their best shooter for three plus years. I mean, if <laughs> I just, I, I hate the draft after the top three players. So if they're able to to flip something, if they can flip that and Brandon Ingram for a good player, because it could be a three man trade. Yeah. Like, if if his man, it, it's tough, bro. I think regardless. The Pelicans did what they had to do. They got value from a player who was obviously going to leave. You roll the dice with some with some prospects. Um, you know they are, you know they're not sloppy seconds per se, but they're, you know they didn't sloppy seconds in the place that they were drafted. Boom. Yeah, I mean they they didn't. They're not quite on Thomas Robinson's level when he came to Portland. They they have produced in Los Angeles, but they definitely haven't lived up to to their hype and then you get a chance to draft a guy at number four um it's going to be tough obviously you've got uh Jarrett culver who is a big 6-6 guard out of texas tech you've got cam reddish who played with zion at duke who really looks physically the part but mentally people are starting to question his commitment to the game you've got the prospect from france i mean you got deandre hunter who is um, you know, a classic 3 and D player out of Virginia who can just stroke it from downtown. And you know, there's also a chance you could maybe flip four to Atlanta for eight and ten. So if I'm New Orleans, I'm I like for the the bigger chance that one of them blo- goes and goes past what everybody's predictions are. Because again, F- Culver's fine, but if if we get more chances at an elite player that could help Zion. I mean, how does how does those play? Yeah, how does Ingram and Lonzo look for Zion? Because that's what you have to think about now. To me, Ingram will always be the Carmelo, ISO Rudy Gay ISO type of score. He showed potential. Obviously, he has a lot to prove this year. I think the best piece of that trade is Lonzo Ball. Um, I, yeah, I, I think so. I know Gentry. You, I know you didn't like the fit earlier because he can't shoot. He has a weird shot, but I, I think if he works on it, I, I think honestly, he's probably pretty happy just to get out of that situation. Yeah. I think he's going to be really good for, for Zion. Um, I, I think, I think he's going to be really good in the Gentry Finch system. And those three picks like, ah, <sighs> all right. This is this is the squad. All right, well, all right. It makes the draft a lot more interesting. And uh, my my friend, you'll you'll be heading over on Thursday, so we'll have everything yeah. ready to go. And if you're Portland, and let's talk about some prospects. Here. All right, we are talking NBA draft. And so it looks like reading through. Well, so this will be edited out when Sage said he had to go pee, but Sage had to go pee. So while Sage went pee. I was scrolling through the timeline, and from Mark Stein, he reports the Celtics refused to make Jason Tatum available. So, again, the Pelicans probably... They get X'd out there. Um, now it's looking like Kemba Walker is going to be a prime target of the Lakers, which I am fine with. That that would make my day. I don't I don't worry about Kemba um, in Los I Angeles. Because... And then... More money for him. Bobby Marks... Um, says cap space for the Pelicans will stand at 19 million after the Davis trade. Um, we'll see when they're able to use it either July 6th or July 30th. So 
that's a, a good chunk of change to add probably a, a big center, um, which I would uh, imagine. So, I mean, definitely uh, the NBA is who would be the, the NBA is a year round league. <laughs> absolutely. Who would be the center that would fit best with Zion? Who's available is a better question. I'm thinking Miles Turner would be dope. Yeah, but you got to trade for him. We got the fourth pick. I would trade that for Miles Turner in a nanosecond. Yeah, because he, he can hit the three. He can play some fucking great defense. Miles Turner might be my might be a very perfect uh, uh, piece to match with Zion. Absolutely. Because you need the shooter. You need shooting because Zion doesn't do that well. So if Miles could space the floor and then block shots. It's a shame he didn't get a all world all all, all uh, first or second team defensive because I think he deserves it. Yeah, and then Pacers have Sabonis, like they have they have Sabonis and Thad Young, so it's like eventually they're they're gonna need to choose one of those guys because they're both centers. I would I would do Miles Turner. And so looking at Portland at twenty five. Judging by the players who they have brought in to pre-draft workouts, I believe only three have actually been projected to be around the the first round in in all of the mock drafts who they have brought in. That's obviously um, Casey Ocapella from Stanford. Yep, Lou Dort from Arizona State, and and Dylan Windler, um, the shooting guard out of Belmont. So. I think the Blazers are still looking to package that pick, but let's talk about some picks. We like, let's talk about the Blazers keeping this draft pick. If they keep it, the prospects that we like, I'll kick it off. I think the Blazers, first of all, every prospect I have is basically boom or bust. And I think that's how you have to approach it at, at 25. There are a couple of safe bets, but that's primarily my thinking. The number one target for me, and I, I wouldn't trade up for any of these players to throw that out there, but if they fell, number one for me is Kevin Porter out of USC. He's a 6'5 lefty. He's got the hardened step back. He has had questions about his maturity. He started off guns blazing at USC, really fell off the map. He is the type of talent that probably should go around number four in this draft, but because of questions about his character and the way he handled himself is why he is dropping. Portland now has a culture like the Spurs where you welcome those players in with open arms. You have Damian Lillard on one side, CJ McCollum on the other, and you say, Rook, this is how we handle our business. That to me is the type of player I want to bring in because not only we can handle one knucklehead, you obviously can take on one of those guys and I think he's ready to play right away, and he also gives you a future backcourt of Simons and Porter, which which I really love. I think this kid has, I really do, I think he has top five talent, much like Anthony Simons did last year. I, I, if he falls, that's the pick. I think that um, a guy that I've liked for a long time uh, is Clendon Johnson out of uh, Kentucky. He's a bulldog, small forward, athletic as hell. When I first watched him, I didn't think he had a jump shot, but he's developed it to be like a pretty reliable jump shot. I think he's he's a low usage small forward, which right now is a perfect perfect for us. He can hit the three. He'll take on the best uh, offensive guard. Clendon Johnson's been my guy for this entire year, and since he's hit threes at like a 37% clip, I, he he's my guy at 25 if we... Yeah. if we, I think he's rising he's, too high. I mean, ESPN, granted, it's just ESPN, but they did a mock draft special last week, and, and one of their analysts took him 10th overall. So I, I I do like him as well, but I think he's a guy who is whose stock is rising uh, too high. And he's going to impress people at the workouts because he is an athletic freak. You know, like... When when looking at players, I I'm totally cool with finding guys that have the athletic prowess and just need to develop the shot because in the NBA their full time job is working on their shot. So Clendon was that type of guy that just had everything you needed, just not the reliable jumper. And yo, 
teams are going to fall in love with the mentality and this defense. So I get why he's a, a, a riser in the, in the, uh, in, in the mocks. One player who I never anticipated being available at 25, but his name just keeps dropping is Bull Bull. Bull Bull is a seven two. That's the, that's the high risk, high reward type of talent right there. My guy, you know, he's seven two, just two ten. So he needs to gain a little bit of weight. And he had the foot injury, which I know will scare people, and that's why he is dropping. But might be one of the best pure shooters in the in this draft, even at seven two. Reminds me a lot of Chris Depp's poor Zingus um, with defense. Like he again has top five talent in this draft, but he is a he is a big risk at twenty five. You can risk whatever you'd like. Oh yeah, that, I mean like that. If he if he's there, that's a very good risk to take. With what we've seen in the playoffs with trapping and zone being kind of a thing, I think Bol Bol is a perfect uh, player for that type of scheme. I don't know how he would do as a pick-and-roll defender, but definitely in a zone trapping scheme with those long-ass arms and the long-ass limbs, he'd be a really perfect uh, player for that type of defense. Yeah, I mean, he's he's actually very agile, uh, much more agile than his father, Manute, and I think, obviously, I don't think he's going to be Rudy Gobert, but they're both, you know, more on the slender side. So for me, I think he has ability down the road to to play in, in that pick and roll. And anytime you have that amount of length, it, it just adds so much value. And that, that's just something that you can't teach. Height and length, two things you just can't teach. Who's another prospect you like, Sage? I got to look how to pronounce his name. I don't want to look bad. What college is he from? I'm going to see if I can guess. Florida State. Oh. Cop Gabelli? Yeah. uh, He's another guy that's rising, too. I mean, you're picking all these. I know that. Well, I I, I had a feeling that he... Cabelli? Yeah. From Florida State. I had a feeling he was going to be a riser like Kevin Knox was last year. But I like the way, the intensity he plays with. He blocks shots at a really high rate. Can hit the three. You know I fuck with players that are gritty and determined. Oh, yeah. He's that type of player. So Cabele out of Florida State is definitely someone I fuck with pretty heavy. Damn these are damn these ESPN people <laughs> fucking up my shit. I think the biggest unknown of the draft is Darius Baisley. He was supposed to go to Syracuse, was then going to play um, in the G League, decided to just hold out um, a similar situation to Anthony Simons, uh, 6'9", 210, combo forward. The only reason I hesitate is because he is represented by Clutch. And Clutch, to me, is now the new... is what Scott Boris is to Major League Baseball. You kind of want to stay away from their prospects at all costs. But at 25, I'm willing to roll the dice, let him spend a year in the G League, and again, you need to build up your farm system if you're the Trailblazer. So... Whenever it is time for Damon CJ to hang it up, you've got a 25, 26 year old Simons, Trent, you know, maybe Scal, and you got this, you know, Darius Baisley. Continue to to build through the draft that way, and so you've got the next crop just just ready to go. Basically, continue to reenact What's what the Spurs at? do. He's a, he's a lefty. He's got a little bit of an awkward uh, release, but he definitely can shoot the ball. Um, he's just athletic. I mean, he's raw. I mean, he's he's really, really raw. But I think that helps him in a draft like this because he's an unknown. Just like some foreign prospects, they come in a little bit unknown. That adds a little bit of intrigue. Um, another. Four- Remember uh, the guy from Utah, uh, the, the, from Australia? That that man of mystery thing in the draft really adds to players' favor. Yep. When they don't have all this film on them, so everything's a possibility type of thing. Um, I think Matisse Thibel is a very good prospect that it on Tank- Tankathon, he's predict, uh, projected as the, as the 25th best prospect. I, I definitely see a way that zone and trapping is going to be the next shit in the NBA. And he did really, I mean, he was, a, he, he was very good in that system, getting the most steals, Having another defender and for this team is going to be a very uh, useful thing. So 
Matisse might be a, a good pick. I hate that Clendon is a high riser. I loved him so much. Yeah, Matisse was the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he's definitely more on the ready side to play uh, a senior out of University of Washington and can definitely switch between the two and the three. And I think you're. I think that is a, a very good sagism. It's a very good prediction. With what we saw the Raptors pull in the playoffs going box and one, um, a bunch of different other zone schemes, Thibel is going to only enhance his value because he knows how to play in those schemes. He's got really good length. He's got anticipation. He knows how to play the passing lanes. I mean, three and D guys will never go out of style. So if we end up with him, I mean, again, I, I do want boomer bust prospects, but I think for a ready-made guy, Thibel and also uh, Ty Jerome, who is a six-five point guard from Virginia, um, granted, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that I'm an expert on any of these prospects. I, I didn't watch a ton of college basketball. What about Lewis King? This year. Um, yeah, so I watched I watched a lot of Lou King, and I did see the Ducks play against Ty Jerome. And Jerome really stood out because he's, he's a big point guard and kind of remind you know, in, in built, you know, a little bit like uh, Alonzo, where he's, you know, obviously can see over the floor and he can hit the, the, the mid-range shot and... I just liked what I've seen, and obviously I had wanted the Blazers to trade this pick for some time because we're in win-now mode, so normally it's all about the draft, but this year has been a little bit different. Uh, I think Luke, one of the years where I've looked at college basketball the least just because um, Blazers did so well that like we were going to do with the pick that was very low chance of convi- like being a active player, so I just, this is this is the year that my, uh, my, uh, Scout eye has been lacking just because of how well we've done. Yeah, and you also have to figure out, like, this draft hasn't been predicted to be a good draft in quite some time. It's not like the 2017 draft where you're just, like, looking at every single prospect. But Lou King is a guy I wouldn't mind taking at 25. Again, a freshman who looks like he has the ability to score in isolation. He needs to refine the jumper. It's still too inconsistent. But he definitely came on uh, and was a huge reason why the Ducks went from being out of the NCAA tournament picture completely to winning four games and four nights in Vegas, securing the automatic bid, winning two games, and giving Virginia everything they had and and more. And King was a guy who just hit some big buckets. Uh, 6'8", 200 pounds, 19 years old. There's a lot of chance that he can really grow into that frame. And What do you think his player comp is? It's so tough. I know. It's... To me, every time I see like that type, I mean, Rudy Gay is just like the the overarching type of player, like isolation score, got good length, predominantly uh, his predominant, you know, bonus is the fact he can put the, he's a bucket getter. And I think that's what he'll always be. If he wants to become a well-rounded player, he'll learn, you know, to, to pass a little bit better, to dribble a little bit better. But right now, I, I think his... Is he, uh, would you project him to be like the, 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 the scorer off the bench on a team? Yeah, I could see that. I could see him being uh, a starting small forward. I mean, it all depends on how these these guys develop. I mean, it's so tough because he's he's a five star kid, and he plays one year. He's he's hurt. To, he he was hurt coming into Eugene, and so he really just started to pick it up. And so you don't know. I mean, he still has three years before he maybe even knows who he is. So that's why it's you know it's it's a gamble. So if he was on the right team, yeah, obviously he'd, he'd right team, a... right culture, right fit. How many guys do you see in this draft that, regardless of team or fit, would be a legitimate player too? Mm, it, I, I think looking back at drafts, the number that is always five. I mean, obviously Zion and Ja uh, have the best chances of doing it, but there's there's always players that there's gonna be one that we were. were I mean, were you look at. in the 2000 draft. I think Michael Red was the 47th pick, and he was the best player. I mean, that's just how Michael Red in 2K was absolute fire. I mean, dude. that jumper is the trailer about as pretty oh, as it man. gets. Man, like I, I loved that. I loved Michael Red on the Bucks. Like every time he was trailing in transition, I was screaming. Hit the trailer! Hit the trailer! Dude, Michael Red in his prime was beast. Absolutely. Do you think they the Blazers will take one of the guys that we mentioned today? 
I mean, I've been so wrong about Neil if, Olshay guys lately. Oh, I know, bro. I mean, the 2017 draft gutted me. Uh, I did not see us getting Simons or Trent. That came out of left field. So, honestly, who knows? I mean, with the players we have brought into a workout, I did. I haven't. Like I said, there's only three guys projected to be in the first round. Olshay has been known to just kind of throw us for a loop. So, it's going to be... It's going to be a great night. I mean, you've got two top four picks to deal with. Hopefully the Blazers have, have made a move by then. You think they buy a second? If if, if they if they like someone. Because I, I think going for a boomer bust candidate is a good move if we can pick up. Because we drafted Simons, but we also picked up Gary Trent. Fits the archetype of several successful NBA players and he's a little bit more safe than the Simons is. So I think if we picked like a first that had boomer bust potential that you like, then we'd probably pick a buy a second round pick that has like that's more safe. So we cover our ass. All right. I think we cover just about everything, but let's uh if anything happens before the draft day, we will cover it. But if not, I'll see you on Thursday, my dude. Yeah, yeah and we'll probably see everybody else on Friday after I'm I faint with the love of Zion Williamson and question mark the fourth pick unless we trade it for Miles Turner. Yeah, so we'll be back. Check us out on iTunes. Leave us a nice comment, a good review. Yeah, we are here for you. We are here for you. We are we are podcasting about the Trailblazers when not many people are. We giving you some good uh, good draft talk. You got to hear how I felt about Anthony Davis literally the second I found out. So you guys, yo, fuck with us. Give us that five-star love. Um, we are available on Google Play, uh, uh, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, uh, Nothing But Net Radio, and we'll be out. Uh, thank you all for listening. Go Blazers. Let's, make, let's either make a trade or a good draft pick. You may be. This is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Yeah.